Cincinnati. to episode 220 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. My name's Paul Hirons. We are two games deep into pre-season. We have uh, a game left, which means uh, it really isn't that long until uh, the actual season, your actual football season, starts. Uh, it's incredible to think that that is the case after a summer of... of uh, frivolity and mucking about in the sunshine or in the rain in this in this country's sense uh but yeah we're soon back on the roller coaster so we're looking forward to that very much and to uh discuss all things that have been happening this week it's nathan palmer nathan hello how are you my son on this hazy monday you feeling all right you hazy wow. well it's like monday's sometimes a bit hazy and they you know um but yeah, no, I'm I'm having a having a pretty good pretty good Monday myself. So very yeah, nice, like, looking nice. forward to dissecting um, part two of the preseason. Yeah, part two. It is a bit of a hazy Monday. Uh, I'm really tired today, so you're gonna have to carry me, Nathan. You're gonna have to carry me. Put me on your shoulders and carry me. And I but like every week. Like oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, what have we got for you uh, this week? We're going to be talking naturally about all the comings and goings from inside Paycor, a uh, bit of Joe Mixon stuff, bit of Ken Anderson stuff. We're recording this on August the 21st, and August the 22nd is when we might hear some stuff about uh, Ken and his potential induction into the Hall of Fame. Let's keep our fingers crossed but of course if you're listening to this after tuesday the 20 seconds you'll know uh, exactly what has happened and um uh yeah well enough said really but yes a bit of a uh, bit of this bit of that but of course we'll be talking about the bengals uh tie in atlanta uh, and then we've got plenty of your correspondence and also i think most excitingly actually is uh, the start of uh, season two of Hard Knockers. Now, if you're new to this podcast, um, we always try and sort of push the envelope a little bit. We always try and do things that no one else ever does, uh, whether that's a success or not. Uh, And I can safely say this is the only football podcast in the world that has its own scripted drama. Uh, so Hard Knockers will be back. It's based on sort of the concept of Hard Knocks, but featuring a certain podcast as its team. Uh, they we follow this podcast team uh, in the in their kind of in their equivalent of training camp. Uh, we did one season of it last year. People seem to like it, and we're back this year. So um, busy show for you, Nathan. 
Absolutely. You know, happy about a return of hard knock. Hopefully it takes a step forward this year. I saw a few people saying that hard knocks itself is taking a step back. So hopefully we can, you know, narrow exactly. the gap. Yeah, exactly. We can, we can step into the gap uh, that's being vacated by the actual hard Absolutely. knocks. Uh, would you say your acting skills have improved since last year? Well, you've got to hope so, haven't you? You know, a bit more experience now, not coming in as a rookie. You've got to hope that, you know, it's stepped up a little bit, but we'll have to wait and see. Well, let's face it, the bar wasn't that high to... Uh, was it really? <laughs> anyway, right, OK. Um, instead of reaccione, we're going to use reaccione sparingly because you're going to hear enough uh, reaccione during the season. We're just, we're just easing into it, Nathan, aren't we? Just easing it, easing you it. Can't, you can't give it all away too soon, can you, son? You know that. No. No, you can't, you can't. Uh, so instead, we're going to be doing something else. Uh, the return of an old favourite. Um, but first, we I think we should talk about Joe Mixon, Nathan. He's he's off the hook, which is great news. Um, the court in Cincinnati found him not guilty. Can't remember what uh, what, what was what was he charged with? Why, what was, was it? Aggravated, like assault or, or battery assault. or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So... Um, Obviously, don't quote us on that. Um, but he's uh, he's 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 been found not guilty, which is great news for him. But um, he's um, he's he's sort of blacklisted a few Bengals beat writers, I think. Um, and no, I don't know what's going on there, really. Did you see that today, Nathan? He, uh, lots of people came out. Ben Baby, our old friend Ben Baby, um, most notably, had kind of come out and tweeted that um, um, Joe Mixon refused to talk with a handful of the Bengals beat writers, himself included. I believe it was James Rapine. Uh, I believe it was Jay Morrison. And that's a huge surprise because Jay wouldn't say boo to a goose. And he's a pretty even-handed, fair journalist, as they all are, to be fair. Um, although some would argue that one in particular... <laughs> Yeah, a lot of Bengals fans seem to be uh, have it in for one particular female journalist, which is uh, interesting, I think. But anyway, um, so he he's refused to speak to them, and then and then um, as uh, Ben Baby kind of said, "Well, I'm not quite sure why." Joe Mixon's agent uh, replied, saying, "You know exactly why, Ben," and had a yes, bit of, a bit of a pop. It just feels. It, does it feel weird to you? It's a bit immature, I would say, even if you have issues uh with journalists and whatnot again it's, it's such a close environment you see these beat writers uh every day and vice versa you know the beat writers see the players more or less every day so it's it's a tight environment there you know and you can't um well you can i suppose up to you entirely how you deal with the with the press but do you know what i mean it feels a bit kind of like immature but then again i guess i don't really blame Mixon if he feels aggrieved and during yeah. this whole kind of summer and off season, where his his place on the team was was brought into question, his character was brought into question again by many many people. Uh, obviously, he went through the mill a little bit with a couple of court cases there. We've spoken about him. His fans, you know, fans debated his role on the team after a subpar season last year. You know, he's got every right to come out and kind of be a bit bullish. But I, I actually, being a journalist myself, I find it a bit immature. And then getting the agent, get, seeing the agent get involved and having right, a bit of a pop. Careful, a, he's going to blacklist us. I know, right? And especially you, uh, after years <laughs> of waiting to get on the mixing train 
Um, yeah. You've tried to get on, and he's kicked you off. He said, no chance. Uh, you're not coming on my train, my lad. Um, but, yeah, I find it a bit weird, really. I mean, maybe you just, just take these journalists, if you've got an issue with them, to the side and say, look, you know, what, what, what you, what's going on here, you know? But it just feels a bit immature to me, and... Um, yeah, I, I and he's creating mean. a new another issue where where uh, you would expect perhaps that he might want to just put everything behind him this year and just crack on with having the kind of brilliant season that we know he's capable of, you know. Yeah, it's, it's all a bit of a storm in a teacup, isn't it? In some ways, I don't I don't think too much more needs to be made of it. I don't really think the agent needs to be coming out there and you know, poking at people. I think everyone just needs to let it go a bit. Journalists, you know, it's their job, isn't it? They've got to be, um, you know, they've got to be a bit, um, a bit sort of not controversial as such, but they've got to try and get the scoop. They've got to try and get on the inside there. I don't think any of those journalists that are covering the Bengals, I mean, I think sometimes people get a little bit too into the fact of it, thinking, oh, he hates the Bengals or she hates the Bengals or they hate this. But, you know, they're just doing their job. I don't think any of them are, you know, really sort of, trying to you know actively sort of um you know beat down people on the bengals and really try and um you know knock their character I, it, joe mixon's more than um within his right to say he doesn't like it i just think like i think you hit the nail on the head son i think people have just got to move on and they keep his head down he's a good player joe mixon we're going to need him to put in a performance this year and really sort of take a step forward and have a good year you know his performances have um, bit up and down, and I think you, you, like, you're exactly right. He just needs to put it behind him, crack on, let his play on the field do the talking, which he absolutely can, and and we move forward from here. You know, it's fantastic for him that um, the court case is behind him. You hope that all of that, um, you know, for his sake, is behind him now, and he can move on and have a good season. Indeed, although it is going to make it a bit of an atmosphere in that uh, in that media room and the locker room. Uh, I think so. It should be should be quite interesting. But anyway, right. Uh, let's let's switch our attention to the game um, over the weekend. Uh, and we're not going to do a reaction. We are going to do. There we go. The return of uh, our old favourite pick six. A bit different. Uh, Approach to uh, critiquing a game. So basically, we're going to between us pick out six points, and I'm going to take one off the board straight away, Nathan. Okay, uh, I'm going to take away the the uh, the quarterback, the backup quarterback debates, because most of our correspondence it does mention uh, the backup quarterback. So I'm going to hold that, if I may, until we actually get to the correspondences, but. Um, aside from the back at quarterback, would you like to uh, would you like to um, pick uh, a, uh, an element of the game that you'd like to dig into, Nathan? Um, I'm liking our depth at wide receiver. I think of the offense in general. I think it's been pretty poor. The quarterback players we know through a couple of weeks has not been fantastic. I don't think I, I don't. We'll get on to quarterback player. I'm not going to tip my hat yet. Um, but it's not been fantastic. The running backs haven't really lit much up. You know, it's not felt particularly um, dynamic. 
partly because you're not playing after starters. You know, most other teams are coming out there, like the Falcons did. You know, they rolled out by Jan Robinson, Desmond Ritter. They came down the field. They looked quite exciting, and we managed to get the ball off them. But, you know, we've not had that luxury. You know, we are going in there with um, two backups and virtually no starts whatsoever on the um, the offensive side of the ball. So I, I guess in some ways um, it's not been great. But I have been impressed with Yoshivas. I think for a for a late round pick for everything you're hearing from training camp he's been good Shedrick Jackson's been really good he's looked I was gonna say him yeah. I, th- I thought he looked really good against the Falcons and yes uh Yoshivas looks looks he looks like the man he looks exactly what we said last week he looks at home doesn't he yeah, Charlie Jones looked good. You know, yes, I thought yeah. he, he and he got a couple. He got his name in there, didn't he? he? Got a few, few targets, few catches. One, one of them was chalked off. But you know, for him getting involved, he's going to be on the team. You want to see a bit more of him. Obviously, people talking about you know him potentially being um, a replacement for Tyler Boyd going forward. So I'm you know excited to see what he's got. But yeah, I think you know if you are looking for a little bit of a positive on the offensive side, I do think the wide receiver depth feels quite good. Um, and it's exciting seeing those guys on there, especially Shedrick Jackson. You know, no one really talking much about him coming into the season. But, you know, he's someone that you think would have probably earned his place on the practice squad um, at a minimum, the way he's been playing. Indeed. My pick is the defensive line. You talk about the depth there. And I think there's a real depth on this defensive line. Um, oh, we've been hearing that uh, uh, Hendrickson has been playing like an absolute animal in in the uh, in training camp. Uh, Hubbard's going to be Hubbard. We know what he brings to the table. Absolute rock, solid uh, play and consistent play. Uh, we know what Reed is all about. We know what BJ Hill is all about. Um, some interesting uh, stats uh, appeared on Twitter today, and uh, I want to read you them. So Zach Carter, who we desperately wanted want to take a step forward this year. We want some real interior pass rush, um, and we're hoping that he can provide it. Uh, Zach Carter, in all pre-season pass rush win rates for the Bengals, so Zach Carter's coming in at number one, 17.2%, which is pretty good. Uh, Number two, Raymond Johnson the third, 17.1%. Dominic Davis, another defensive tackle, 15.8% 15.8% and Joseph Fasai, who looks good to me. I don't think he needs to play anymore, frankly, uh, against Washington. We've seen, you know, we've, we've given his, we've given reps to him. Um, I don't think there's any danger that uh, he'll be a, a force and a factor this year. So that's 14.3%. So um, I've been impressed with the defensive line. And again, you throw in the caveat that, you know, you, the likes of Raymond Johnson, Dominic Davis, are playing, well, not so much uh, Dominic Davis, but certainly uh, Raymond Johnson are playing against the seconds and the thirds and and, and whatnot. So I wouldn't expect either uh, Raymond Johnson or Dominic Davis to make the 53, but this is what pre-season is, isn't it? It's, it's a chance for these guys to, to put some really good tape together. If they don't make the um, 53, they can certainly... Um, you know, attract other suitors, and if they don't work out, then it's onto the practice squad. Because, you know, the way they're playing, they're definite practice squad contenders. So, I've been impressed uh, with the defensive line um, uh, depth, and been impressed with some of these guys that have uh, staking the claim. So, again, fair play to to those guys. Um, um, but yeah, it all bodes well for the defensive line. I think it might be the strongest 
strongest uh, position group on the team, maybe at the moment. Certainly, yeah, certainly, certainly in the. I think that's a bit of an overstatement, but I do think it's not a bad shout. You look, I think the wide receivers for me, I just don't think you can look past that as a unit as being the strongest unit on the side. But it's certainly an area that's turned from a potential weakness a couple of years ago to really being a bit of a strength of the team. And you know, you know, Lou Eleven playing well, and um, hopefully it translates into the regular season. You know, I don't want to get too excited against some of the sort of backups. You really want to see can they do it against the Browns and the Ravens? Yeah, exactly. Uh, had you had you heard of Owen Carney before this uh, preseason? I hadn't really, to be honest. I've maybe seen the name, yeah, but he got yeah, a, sack, a couple he got of a guys. Like Marvin Falcons. Marvin Tell the third. I can't say that these <laughs> names too much. But, but what what I will say about this, what was about just widening out to the defense as a whole, was really interesting that they they gave the full uh, you know the first team defense not just one series. Well, they gave it one series, but not. But it just so happens that Atlanta marched down the field, and I don't think anybody was expecting yeah. that. But they did. The, the defense did what they've always done. They 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 bended, but they did not break. They kind of stopped the Falcons in their tracks um, once they got into the red zone and pushed them back actually, uh, and intercepted them. And um, so you know, I mean, for, from what you hear from training camp and what happened against the Falcons, certainly in that first drive, they're picking up as they left off from last year. I don't think there's going to be much of a problem with the defense this year. No, I agree. I don't, I don't think there's the only thing that I think you got to see in the regular season is that safety position. I said it before. I'll say it again. You know, our old friend Jesse, uh, Jesse Bates turning up for the Falcons. It's a bit odd. It's a bit odd seeing that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean that was going to be one of my points in pick six. Was added if you'll see it. Put it in number four. Popular. We'll go to number four straight away. So number yeah. four. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a he's a fantastic player, Jesse Bates. You can't pay him more. We've had that debate a few times. I think he'll be fantastic for the Falcons. He'd be a really good addition for him. But that's the only thing when we're talking a positionally around. You're saying the defense will be, you know, should hold up fairly well in the regular season. I think you're right. I certainly think the the pressure um, that the line will generate if that improves will only help the secondary. But I do think we've got to see, you know, how, just how that um, that revamped safety position. Um, holds up this season. You know, Tyson Anderson was involved again, um, you know, this week. I think sort of led the team in tackles, if I'm not mistaken. I know he was involved a few times. So he'll be an interesting one to watch. You know, he should make the roster. I don't think there's any, um, you know, any worries about that. But it is going to be interesting to see what someone like Dax Hill can do and can he step up and, you know, really fill those boots. So that, that's the one area for me for the team with Jesse Bates going over to to Atlanta that I'm really keen to see and I really hope it can it can work because when you go up to someone like Dax Hill you know when you're going up against um, you know the Ravens I mean that you know the Ravens and the Browns certainly the Ravens you know it's going to be people like Mark Andrews coming over the middle and um, obviously Odell for them it's going to be you know that's going to be a real test for him that he's going to have to stand up and and take so you know that's 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 the thing for me. Good stuff. Pick five for me. Uh, I'm going to praise the coaches for the way they're sort of incorporating reps for people who need it. I think they've approached this preseason quite smartly. Uh, so, for instance, they're giving Jonah Williams a lot of reps because he needs them at uh, right tackle. It's a new position for him and he's playing quite a lot there during the games. 
So I think that's a really great idea. This week we saw more. I mean, last week we saw pretty much Dax Hill exclusively. This this game we saw Nick Scott and Dax Hill playing together properly in a game situation for the first time, which I think is great. Um, you know, now uh, Travion, uh, Travion Williams at running back has... Uh, uh, has is on the sidelines. We're seeing a bit more of Chris Evans and uh, and Chase Brown, who who had both of them had their moments. Um, still not perfect that running game, but they had their moments, I think. Um, so yeah, I, I really like the coaches' approach to this. They're giving plenty of reps to players who who need it, you know. And ne- next week, you know, I really actually I'd, I'd probably play Scott and Hill a bit more together just to try and you know give them that that uh, that to work on their rapport and there was there was a report actually an interview um with uh, mike hilton who said they were on the field more than they expected and but it was good for them it was good the defense it was good for the defense to be on the field together because they made a few mistakes and they were able to sort it out um same with cam taylor Britt. he said you know just for uh, rapport and communication and knowing where, you know, everyone was. Because uh, let's face it, you know, you're looking at Cam Taylor-Britt was the only guy on that team from last year playing. You know, you probably had DJ, you had DJ Turner opposite him, a rookie. You had Dax Hill, uh, a new starter, and also Nick Scott, who wasn't on the team at all last year. So, yeah, I think that those guys actually, even though they weren't expecting... Uh, to play as much, I think they appreciated it. So, yeah, I'd like maybe just to see um, uh, see a little bit more from Dax and uh, Nick Scott next week. But yeah, I, th- I think the coaches are playing, uh, uh, handling this quite smartly, uh, and using these 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 opportunities to bed in some guys at really key positions that need it. I'm going to counter it slightly. I don't disagree with you on the defensive side of the ball. I'm just, I think it's a real shame that. We haven't seen a couple of the guys on the offensive side of the ball come in. I know with Joe Burrow's situation, it's slightly more difficult. But even, like I said last week, I'd love to see Irv Smith just get out there a bit and, you know, have a bit of a run around, get a few catches in there, just try and get a bit of chemistry. You know, I'd have a few more linemen out there for a little bit longer. I just, you know, I, I do just want to see a little bit more of that. I know I know it's difficult with Joe Burrow because, you know, you're arguing there, do we really want to stick you know, Jamar Chase out on the field. Do we really want to stick Joe Mixon out on the field and, you know, see what's happening there? You know, what if one of them's to go down? I mean, obviously you saw the Falcons do it with Drake London out there playing a lot. Um, he looked good, actually, I thought. He looked pretty yeah, good. Yeah, he does look a good player. And obviously, I mean, the Falcons, I mean, you know, I don't want to talk about the Falcons too long, but, you know, they do look, you know, I think the question for them is is a quarterback. But you look at Kyle Pitts, Bajan Robinson, Drake London, good team. And I mean, we, we talk about the backup quarterbacks in a minute, but what a backup quarterback the, the Falcons have got. You know, Taylor Heineke, me and you talked a bit before, um, we came on a podcast about him. He is about as good as you get as a backup quarterback out there. I think he'd probably be... I mean, who's to say he's not going to bless Desmond well, Ritter, exactly. but who's to say that he's not going to end up starter on that team? Depends on how well, Ritter goes, but, really. I mean, but yeah, I know, absolutely fair point, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's the sort of... The, the thing, it's like we said before, we, we got on air... Heineke's a sort of guy he wouldn't come to somewhere like Cincinnati because he knows he's not got a sniff of getting in front of someone like Joe Burrow. But, you know, certainly looking at the Falcons, if Desmond Ritter has a couple of ropey games, you wouldn't be surprised if he was in there. And, you know, with a supporting cast that he'd have, that's a great opportunity for him. So, yeah, certainly an interesting situation they've got um, over in Atlanta at quarterback. 
Okay, final pick, pick six. What are you going for, Nathan? Well, it's got to be the quarterback today, my son. Well, no, no, no. We're going to leave that to the correspondence. So you've got one more to oh, go. I wasn't prepared for this. You know, you caught me <laughs> out with a with a matter of um, a matter of detail. I wasn't expecting. I'm going to go with Evan McPherson's had a good preseason, and he? yeah, he's look on the special teams as a whole. He's banged a couple of long ones through. He's been accurate on the extra points. He's not had too many things to do. In all fairness, but you know that kick the other day looked good from about sixty, didn't it? Which you always like to see. Brad Robbins, I thought, did all right. He had one lucky one that bounced a bit. They didn't go very far, but positionally was was quite nice. He, we, we knew this when we drafted him with Brad Robbins, the sort of guy that he's not, you know, he's not necessarily going to boom him 60, 70 yards, but he is going to try and pin people inside the 20. Nice directional punt in, smart job. Hang time. He's a hang time Harry, isn't he? Basically? Exactly, yeah. And that's, that's the other thing with him. But, I, you know... You think it's his job? You think Drew Christman? Well, Drew had to... Drew had one point for one. Yeah, Drew had one punt for forty yards. So it's good to see him back. Let's face it, after his medical yeah. emergency. I mean, I I think he's on the practice squad. Uh, Drew Christman. I think it's Brad Robbins. He's been pretty solid. Uh, like you say, it's more about hang time. Um, so um, yeah, I think I think um, I think that's going to be. Uh, Brad Robbins' job, but um, anyway. Uh, so that's it, pick six. We'll come to our first pick, if that makes sense, um, uh, when we do the correspondence in a few moments' time. Um, so, yes, I mentioned Ken Anderson as well. well. We'll know more on Tuesday, or you will know more on Tuesday, the 22nd. And it uh, goes without saying that why the hell he's not in there already, I have no idea. They've really got to sort it out Um and get him in there. It's it's a bit of a travesty, I have to say. Right, it's the moment you have been waiting for. And I, when I say you, I don't mean you, Nathan, but the all our all of our listeners. It's uh, it's um, it's uh, time for season two of Hard Knockers. Cincinnati. Well, Nathan, I can't wait for this season to kick off. Can you? Me neither, Sam. We've got some fantastic stuff coming up. Oh, you're not wrong, my old fruit. We're definitely in a great position to make Cincinnati the ninth most listened to Bengals podcast in the whole podosphere. Come on, you lot. I want to see more from you. Come on. Get stuck in. You're on full today, my son. Oh, I have to be, Nathan. Any form of complacency will see us drop down the rankings. My job's on the line. We've got to keep going, keep getting better. The podcast arena, as you know, is pure dog-eat-dog. Or in this case, should I say, tiger eats tiger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All right, all right, you can stop now.
After a rocky season last year, coach Paul Hirons and star player Nathan Palmer patched up their differences and had a successful season. So successful, in fact, that Cincinnati attracted nine more listeners and received an honorable mention in the Saffron Walden St. Thomas Infant School Podcast Awards. Thanks to the successful season, Coach Hirons was also able to recruit new staff, including a go-getting director of operations, and he needed to. It's a big season for Cincinnati. Frankie, have you got time for a quick chat? Sure, Coach. I'll be right in. I'm Frankie Fockernocker, and I was recruited by the franchise earlier this year after a stint in my family-run store, Fancy Fockernocker's Fried Fockernocker Nuts. Honestly, it's been so great so far. I've always wanted to be involved in sports broadcasting, and this has given me a great opportunity. Coach Hirons really lets me contribute to what's going on around here, and he loves my ideas. I just see so much potential here. Now, Frankie, as I've always said to you, the lowly tadpole never makes the top cheese. And we need good ideas to keep this thing moving forward and getting better. Um, As you know, we're going for a sponsorship this year and we need another 20 listeners at least to get the money rolling in. I told you, Coach, sponsorship will be no problem. I made a lot of contacts when I worked at Fancy Fockernockers Fried Fockernockernuts, so I've been putting them to good use. I've been on the phones. We have a few companies interested. Go on. Well, you know, there's the new florist that just opened up around the block from the practice field. Back to the fuchsia. They are very interested. Hmm, sounds interesting. Anyone else? Sure, there's the new barber shop, Barber Streisand. They are very keen. They're offering free haircuts, back, sack, and crack servicing to every listener of Cincinnati. Obviously, it'll just be the back and crack service for our female listeners. Obviously. Hmm, I'm not 100% sure these align with our brand. Anything else? I'm currently chatting up iCaramba. Uh, who are they? And opticians. And then there's a liquor store t- called Tequila Mockingbird, who I've been told is super interested. They promised free bottles of Menabrea to staff and players. And I have to return calls from a bakery called Much Ado About Muffin and a carpet layer called Lino Richie. You know, the addition of Frankie has just been fantastic. I've, I've tasked her with, with identifying revenue streams and other special projects, and she's... She's been a godsend, really. It's, it's what Cincinnati has been waiting for. The thing or the person is going to take us to the next level. The good ship Cincinnati is sailing on serene waters right now. But as we know, the wider oceans of the podcast world can be choppy at best and dangerous at worst. Right, episode one of the new season is fast approaching. Some interested parties for sponsorship. Everything's firing in our cylinders. I like it exactly as I like it. Better get Nathan in here to go through episode one. Frankie, can you uh, can you call Nathan for me? He hasn't answered any of my texts recently. Of course, coach. Coach. Something weird is going on. I've called Nathan's phone, his burner, his local Papadon store, even tried his wife. She said she hadn't seen him since yesterday morning, and we haven't seen him in the facility since lunchtime. You know what that means? He's gone on another holiday again without telling anyone? No, coach. He's missing. Our star player is missing. (laughs) So there we go. 
episode one of Hard Knockers season two is in the books. Nathan, what do you think? <laughs> it left it on a cliffhanger there. Well, you know what? It's one of them, and it's um where if we could see, like, we need one of these an analytics tools to see if people <laughs> have uh, fast forwarded it, if they've been more engaged. You know, we we need to be looking at the analytics here. You know, me being in marketing, I'm happy to take a look if you want and see if Hard Knockers is driving it home for us. But certainly, I think it's you know interesting start to the series, isn't it? It's it gonna is. Nathan Palmer, our star player, gone missing. What do you think of that, Nathan Palmer? Getting a bit meta here. Well. You know, I don't want to give too much away. That's all I'll say. There's a few twists and turns to be had, yeah. Is there really? Thank you very much for uh, pushing home the cliffhanger there. Of course, episode two will be uh, around next week. Um, And we'll be, obviously, uh, having a look at the final pre-season game. Not sure what their approach will be. Do you think we'll see Burrow at all? He seems to be sprinting and throwing. And I don't think he's in practice yet, but maybe... Cheeky, just literally a couple of snaps, maybe? I don't know. What do you think? No, they won't. No. They won't. No, no. No, 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 no. I, I, I would like <laughs> to. Like, if Joe Burrow could, I would love to see him come out, throw a few passes, um, quick drops, get the ball out, absolutely no risk whatsoever, you know, that he's going to take any shots. But, I, you know, I, I really do think that I would quite like that personally. Um, get a couple of the guys out there, get them in the huddle, just try and... You know, one one drive, one one series. Out, just get him out there. Just you know, get the pads on him. Um, yeah, but the the reality is that is not going to happen. I don't think. No, I think you. I think you're right. It should be interesting to see who gets a bit of a sniff against uh, against the Commanders. Um, the game against the Washingtons is on Saturday evening at uh, five past eleven, which is doable, I think, for UK fans if you want to sit through the the dross of a third preseason game and it's a, it's away in Washington just to just to confirm that and just a bit of news we will be hopefully confirming some meetup news for the first game of the season against the Browns on the 10th of September um so you're only like 3 weeks away which is crazy but yes uh we're hoping to stay some meetups plural uh, on that first day of the season so stand by Stand by for that. So let's go to our correspondences. We are, of course, at Today underscore UK on Twitter. We are Bengals UK on Facebook. And we are Bengals underscore UK on Instagram, if you'd like to say hello anytime at all. So let's start with Memphis Soul Stew at Stuart Baird 688. Uh, Hard Knocks hasn't been great this year, just focusing on big names and Aaron Rodgers. I prefer to see the rookies and their backstories, even if they don't make it. So I'm expecting big things from season two of Hard Knockers. Well, uh, Stu, I hope hope uh, hope it delivered for you in that first episode. Uh, Jamie at Trequat Beaster, he says, very dull game versus the Falcons. Unsure if you can judge backup QB play, because the backup line really stunk the place out. Uh, but Simeon didn't look good, and Browning was only effective with his legs. Now let's again let's go through these uh, these messages, and uh, we'll pick up the subject of uh, the backup quarterback right at the end, if that's okay, Nathan. Um, and I also threw a question out there: well, Who is your uh, top five favourite players? Uh, Joe Boy Burrow, notwithstanding. So Jamie says: Karras, Pratt, Chase Higgins, and Reader. 
good solid five there, I'd say. Um, Paris Pinney, Paris Pinney, the Bengals coaching staff need to start taking the backup QP position seriously. Otherwise, it will bite them in the arse one day. If Burrow were to miss three to four games this year, Browning or Simeon gives us no shot of winning. Reader, Chase, Hendrickson, Cheeto and Orlando Brown Jr. His top five players. Derek Davis uh, at Bengal Bites. It's it's smart not to play the offensive starters if Burrow can't go. Van Halen wouldn't have played with a roadie on lead guitar if Eddie was on a bender. Wow. First time, I think, I think first time Van Halen has been mentioned on this podcast, I think. Are you a heavy metal sort of guy? I, I, I can't see it myself. I don't think you are at all, are you? Not particularly, if I'm honest with you, son, no. No, I'm not against it. So, you know, not not tight jeans, mullets and, you know, cut-off vests yeah, well, and I things like that. I that was more your gig in your early 20s. Uh, grunge and punk, yes, but not, not metal. I didn't like the hair metal stuff, but anyway. Um, right, Derek goes on to say, the best I can say is the special teams look good as ever. Echoing what you say, Nathan. And his top five are Rido, Uno, T, Wilson and Hendrickson. <laughs> Okay, Alex Costa, Alex Costa, 93. I'd like to see one of the backup QBs actually playing with a first for a drive against the Commanders. But it's a good problem to have when a backup QB is the biggest issue. His top five is T, Teddy K, Jermaine Pratt, Mike Hilton and Logan Wilson. Another very solid uh, five there. Solid quintet, Alex. Uh, BB at Blue Bengal 5. Um, backup QB is a concern. Don't feel confident with either. If Burrow takes a big injury during the season and misses multiple weeks, the season would be over. Also, still need to find that pass-blocking running back. Everything functions around Burrow and keeping him upright. Uh, Chris Roberts at 1066. Chris the backup QB situation worries me. Did you see what I mean, Nathan, when I decided, you know, I think it's a fair yeah. thing to do to wait until we address this after hearing what you guys say. Uh, Chris goes on to say, if we were to lose Joe for two or three games, I'm not convinced either would get us within a sniff of a win, which could end up hurting our season. We need a QB who can do more than just play fourth quarter when we are comfortably winning. Johnny Davis at Davis J05. We need a better backup quarterback. It's looking ropey without Burrow. The Atlanta game was okay. Just our O-line isn't the greatest without the main starters. Top five after Burrow. Chase, Higgins, McPherson, Reader, Hubbard. Uh, and we're also, um, you know, uh, the <laughs> Connor Evans at Goffather666. He, uh, he, he says the backup QB situation is worrying too. Matt Curzon, MC Curzon, we're a bottom three offense in the preseason, which has really showed our, our lack of O-line depth. And Kitch at SAFC underscore Bengals. Loving the podcast, guys. As somebody still learning the game and the beginning of my Bengal fandom, is there any recommendations of documentaries or literature I could find to help learn the club and the game. Cheers. Well, Kitch, I will DM you with some links. Uh, but seriously, welcome to the community, man. And it's great to have you on board. Uh, you picked a fun team to follow. 
and you picked a fun community to be a part of, really. So, yeah, I'll uh, DM you some links to go read up on our club. And, uh, yeah, all good, Kitch. Welcome along, mate. Right. So thank you very much, everyone, for uh, contributing and corresponding with us. Nathan, backup quarterback. Problem or no problem? And if so, what, what are we doing about it? It's a very difficult one. Part of me thinks we're over-exaggerating it a little bit. I don't think Jake Browning's been that bad. He had, it was good last year in preseason. I thought he was quite good against the Falcons, you know, for the most part. He had a bit of a costly interception. He ran the ball well. It, it's hard, isn't it? With the, we know the backup line is bad. It's not just a bad backup line. It's Can just, I just interrupt it, that? I'll tell you how bad it's been. Uh, apparently, yeah. they've allowed the most pressures, 30, during this preseason yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. They are 23rd in pass blocking efficiency and 26th in pressure rate, 34.1%. Yeah. So, um, you know, this, those stats speak for themselves. So I agree. I think the, the, the poor play of the backup offensive line is a huge part to, to why Browning... And Simeon, you know, have been average to say the least. The thing is, it's hard, isn't it? Because, like, I my thoughts are that the Bengals like Jake Browning a lot. They brought him up a couple of times last year for the game checks. He's but they've kept him around. You know, they believe certainly that he's in a real fight with Trevor Simeon. They've given him more snaps. They've given him the chances. I, I really think they want him to succeed. They've obviously seen something in practice and, you know, working with the coaches to say, look, this guy is a good player. The problem is, is you're, you're taking it, even if he makes it Jake Browning, and, I, you know, at this point, if we're going to pick between Jake Browning and Trevor Simeon, I'm probably just about leaning to Jake Browning. But what terrifies me is that, He's a young. I mean, he's this is the thing. He's not a young lad. I, I thought he was younger than he was. He's twenty-seven. He's older than Joe Burrow. You know, so it's not like you've got some you know young buck that's a sort of um, you know second-year guy that you know came out early and you can work on him and he you know he's going to have many years ahead of him potentially and we get a draft pick out of him. He's he's twenty-seven already, but he's got no no experience in the NFL whatsoever. You know, he's not played with the first team. He's not showcased anything around the league and that is something you can say for Trevor Simeon you know sure he's going to have um, a much more obvious ceiling to him Trevor Simeon but he does have experience as recently as last year um, when I believe he was playing for the Saints so when you look at it like that it, it, you know I like the up I like the potential upside of Browning I think he has got something about him but you know what worries me with Browning because you, you, in some ways you're just hoping that he never has to play but you look around the league at some of the other backup quarterbacks that you're sort of comparing him against, I guess, in some ways, in terms of, all, you know, who would we rather, him or, you know, you look around the league, you've got players like Andy Dalton, Jacoby Brissett, Heineke, who we saw the other night, Gardner Minshew, Jameis Winston, you know, Cooper Rush, who we saw last year, Sam Darnold. I think, I think Winston is still out there, actually. Is he? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, but I mean, you, you know, you look at some of those guys, the, the Ravens know very well with Tyler Huntley, you know, there's some good players out there that have been around the league, that have had some starting experience, you know, Mar Marcus Mariota is another good example of a backup quarterback that, you know, if, if it came to it, you'd be fairly comfortable with. So, you know, 
that's where it worries me because any of those guys I just named there, if it came to it and we needed them to perform and you needed them to step in, you'd say, look, they've got a lot of experience. They've won games. You know, you know, we, we know there's going to be a, you know, they're not Joe Burrow, but they could come in and perform. I don't think you could look at the winner of Jake Brown versus Trevor Simeon, backup quarterbacks around the NFL. And I think most pundits, most neutral fans would say, look, we're up there with the worst in the league in that respect. Now, that's mainly on Jake Browning because I think he's going to win the competition. And obviously, what sample size is there to go off? There's no NFL um, first team experience for anyone to sort of judge him against. And then there's just a few preseason games in which he's not exactly blown the roof off um, this year. So I'm not panicking about it, but I do think you know some of the some of the people that. Um, of message to write, you know, if he did, Burrow did go down to three or four games, would you be confident in Jake Brown? Well, I think, well that's the, this is the question, isn't it? Well, if if Burrow, this is where, yeah, if, uh, but this is where it's difficult, isn't it? Because you, you, he's throwing to all of the backups behind the backup on the offensive line. Yeah, I almost would love it to see, you know, the first team, even if Joe Boy is not. I think that's right. Yeah, I'd like to, yeah. Just see Jake Brown and toss a few to Jamar Chase. See, you know, see him toss a couple over to Irv Smith. You know, give and the ball off to Joe Mixon. Give him a series or two in that and maybe see what you've got with him there. But I don't know. I think it's one of those where you've got to just try and trust the coaches. You know, they know him. They, if they really believe that he's a better option um, for them than someone like Trevor Simeon, who's got a decent backups resume. You know, he's been around the league for a while. He's a veteran. Um, you know, if they seriously believe that he's a better option for them, he's a bit more dynamic, he's a bit quicker, he, you know, he can make stuff happen then I think you have just got to trust the coaches on it because, um, yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's all I've got on it. So. <laughs> okay, so um, we both, I think we both agree that there is there is uh, a good argument there to say, to take, I'm not saying they don't take the backup quarterback seriously, but I'm talking about priorities here. Uh, and if Joe Boyd does go down, then we're in a bit of trouble. And I think you're right to say also that Jake Browning is talented. He's got a bit of something about him. He's not quite there yet, I don't think. Uh, but uh, is he there enough for you to take that risk on him? To you know, to kind of make him that one backup. Do they carry three QBs into this season? I don't know. Um, also, uh, we're we're you know we're spending a lot of money with extensions and whatnot. Are you going to give? More than the one or two million uh, over for a backup quarterback when you could spend it on a T Higgins or put it towards at least a T Higgins or a Joe Boy or whatever. I'm just making that argument, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Are you yeah. going to go out there and make overtures to Teddy Bridgewater and spend, I don't know, five mil? Some, I don't know what it would take for Teddy, but uh, I'd certainly love Teddy on this team. Um, I think he's still got a bit of something left to give uh certainly in a backup role but you know are you willing to pay that five million or so i don't know it might cost more i don't know um i don't know what he was paid in uh, miami last year let me just check what do you well i check tell me about that idea would you be prepared to spend sort of say five mil on a on a on a much more established uh experienced backup quarterback no i wouldn't I, 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 the way we're looking at the moment with um, with the, the you know the money we've got to pay out to people, I, I don't think it's the smartest use of our funds. 
I'm willing to go with Jake Brown and give him a chance, trust the coaches and hope that the upside's there. I wouldn't that be that against Trevor Simeon. You know, I mean, he's, he's had a, a real, like, small amount of... Um, a real small amount of exposure this preseason. I mean, that last game he played, you know, seven of 14 with 62 yards. It wasn't fantastic. But again, he's been under a shocking offensive line and it's a very limited sample size. I think if you stuck Trevor Simeon out there with Jamar Chase, with, um, you know, your Joe Mixons, your T Higgins, your Irv Smiths and behind the first uh, the front offensive, offensive line, would he tear it up? I don't think he would, but would he be a disgrace? I also don't think he would. I think he'd play like a backup quarterback. You know, he'd have his moments. He could push the ball down the field. He'd know how to lead the team. He'd know the schemes. I, I don't think it would be a disaster. I also don't think you go out there and get Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater's got a massive history of injuries, as we know. Oh yeah, um, of course, absolutely. I love him. He's a good, he's a cool guy. He seems like a you know lovely bloke that come into the locker room and do his ever do his all for you. But it, I just don't think in that scenario it's it's worth the money. You you want to hope that Joe Boy plays every snap. He apparently is looking fantastic at the moment. He looks like very much he's going to play that first game against the Browns and you hope he doesn't go down. You know, the reality is you don't want any of these guys, Browning, Simeon, um, or whoever to step foot on the pitch unless it's just to come in there and kneel the ball down or just to, you know, to play out some garbage time, you know. So I, I certainly wouldn't put funds into it. Like, you know, we we're desperately thin with money or we will be thin with money. Um, you know, when a lot of these extensions come home to roost. So I, I think you've just got to go with this. And I, I, I think you go with Jake Brown and then you say to the young, anyway, he's not, again, he's, he's not that young, but you say to the lad, you know, good luck. And, you know, yeah, don't worry. I'll be, you know, nervously shaking if we do need to rely on him. But I think that's what we've got to do. And we just got to sit with it. The other thing is realistically now it's too late. You know, what are you going to do? Even if you've got Teddy yeah, Bridgewater yeah, yeah, yeah. this evening, it's like, well, you're going to get him ready for. Um, well, you, you'd hope that a, 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 a nine-season veteran would like Teddy, who well, has actually who has actually been signed by the Lions. So that's let's that's out the window. But we will use <laughs> Teddy as a sort of a, an example. You know, you'd hope that a nine-season veteran could come in and pick things up quite quickly. Interesting, Teddy. Last year, he earned six point five million as a backup in Miami. And this year for the Lions as a backup, he's on three million. Now that's more like it. Um, yeah. And of course, we should also add cuts are coming up. Uh, I can't remember the schedule. It's more or less after the the final preseason game, isn't it? So we'll be monitoring those. And I'm no doubt the Bengals may make a signing or two, uh, depending on who is released uh, uh, next weekend. You know, or this weekend coming. So it's going to be as ever. It's going to be a really interesting. It's the next phase in roster building, isn't it? The cuts, you know, it's it's who you, who can you pick up from uh, from camp cuts and also perhaps uh, uh, cap casualties and roster casualties and all the rest of it. So uh, lots to look out for. It's an interesting one, though, isn't it? Very interesting. Yeah, I, I, for me, I think it's done deal. I don't think they're going to want to bring a quarterback in off the street and I take your point about if there's a veteran out there that you know that you felt could come in and do a bit of a job um, and they, they could pick it up quite quickly but I'm not sure the Bengals will sit there first of all want to pay anyone too much and second of all you know someone to come in the building who they're not necessarily familiar with who hasn't been in training camp hasn't played with the team in the preseason I just think that at that point 
you would rather go with a Jake Browning um, or Trevor Simeon. But I, the one thing I would say, and I don't know if it's a, a money thing, I don't know in this situation why we wouldn't have stuck with Brandon Allen. You know, I didn't think Brandon Allen was fantastic. I don't think he'd be much of an upgrade um, on Jake Browning or Trevor Simeon. But I, it seems a strange one, really, in some ways, to let him go when you kind of knew what you had with him. And he was, at this rate, you probably prefer him on what you've seen. So that's potentially a slightly interesting one. But um, in terms of roster cuts, just really quickly, I'd love a tight end. If there's any good tight ends that get kicked off promising you know youngsters possible veterans that are, are cap casualties i would absolutely love um to see a tight end come in there and give that room a bit of a bolster um because i'm very very concerned if anything was to happen um to irv smith who we know does have um a history of injuries so yeah that that for me would be an obvious um uh, pick up if any guys are let go carson vents is out there yes i saw that 30 years old. Matt Ryan is still listed as out there, but I don't think I think he's retired now, isn't he? Uh, Joe Flacco, no bloody thank you. Nick no. Nick Foles at 34. Uh, Chase Daniel at 36. You know, there's there's some old guys there. So we'll we'll have to wait and see. Right, that's your lot this uh, this week for Cincinnati. Thanks so much for listening, as ever. Great to to be on this regular run again as we uh, is as we have a bit of a runway into the new season. Can't wait for it all to start. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Hard Knockers. We'll find out where Nathan is. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, we'll be uh, looking back at the Commanders game. And no doubt looking back at some cuts and perhaps a few potential pickups. So uh, already excited for next week. So do join us. It is a Who Day from me. And a Who Day from me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast 
do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organization.